Would you pray together with me? Our Father, we come to you and we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to worship together, to remind one another of the freedom, of the opportunity that we have to worship a risen Savior together. We thank you for the safety we get to do that with. We thank you for the health that we get to enjoy and do that with. And Father, I pray that you would now speak through your word, that you would encourage us in the way that we ought to go for our own good because you love us and you seek to have us to love one another as Jesus has loved us. And so we ask your blessing on the remainder of this service in Jesus' name, amen. So if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, or John chapter 15, sorry, John chapter 15. That's going to be on page, uh, I believe it's 1011 in your Bibles. Or you can also, if you do have the app, you can uh, turn in the app to the sermon section, to the Bible section in the, the sermon selection, and you'll be able to follow with us in John chapter 15. Um, as we're, we're jumping into this, I know we're taking a break from Pastor Ken. He is, as you've already heard, he's preparing for VBS. Uh, he's preparing for next week's sermon uh, out of the book of March, which is such a pivotal uh, section. And so I'm thankful to be able to, uh, to prepare and to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, this is something that I shared. Those of you who come on Wednesday nights, uh, this might sound familiar to you. I shared some of this on Wednesday night, and I have just been so taken by this passage over the last couple of months. And I just want to share my heart out of Luke or out of John chapter 15, specifically verses 9 through 17. Let's go ahead and and jump into John chapter 15. We are coming out of the, the first eight or so verses, this this Jesus as the vine. And then he moves into this, this section on, on love that is just so saturating the entire context. But let's jump into verse 9, John chapter 15, verse 9. The Word of God says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So we read this, this, this text, we, we see the beauty of the language, we, we hear 
what Brad read earlier from 1 Corinthians 13, and, and we say, how does this apply to us? How is this something that we can, we can hear at church and then apply outside of church? And so um, I, I'm one of the pastors here at Bethel. One of the things that I do often is I counsel. And, and being able to take the, the text of Scripture and being able to apply it to everyday life is something that we need to be able to do uh, as counselors, as pastors. And this section is so applicable. It's so personally important to the way that you interact in your daily life. I, I love where we live. I love living in the northwest suburbs. I, I love being able to, to live where there are so many different things to do. My wife is so good at being able to find things to do. It might be that we're going to bike ride on the, the, the Fox River Trail. It might be that we're going to find kids free bowling in the summer at main event. It might be Shakespeare in the park at the Prairie Center. Or even last night it was an Elvis impersonator. Uh, so I saw some of you out there, so don't act like you didn't go. There were, there were a couple thousand pe- people out there. It was wonderful. I, I love where we live. I love being able to, to have that exploring and that experimenting uh, relationship with Christina. We, we love going on those little day trips and adventures, maybe a downtown donut, donut shop. So last Friday, just a, a couple of days ago, there was this really cool thing that was happening right here at Schomburg Square. And it was, it was a free concert. It was free music. And, and so we, we started talking about and planning that. And Christina said, and they have free Foxtrot dance lessons under the pavilion. Immediately, my exploring spirit, my adventurous spirit, ground to a halt. Some, something in me was like, whoa, whoa, it, that doesn't feel good. That, that doesn't feel right. In that moment, I, I had to, to ask myself some questions. I had, to, I had to examine what was it about that that, that took that, that kind of chill, optimistic, adventurous spirit and ground it to a halt. This is it. I'm scared to dance in front of other people. It, it makes me insecure. Um, I feel exposed. I feel, um, I feel as though I'm not going to do good enough and I'm not going to look like the other people dancing or I feel like I am going to look like the people dancing. And, and either one of those scare me. I know that it's not wrong to, to dance in front of others. I know it's not dangerous to, to dance the foxtrot. I know that. But yet I feel my body tighten. I still, I still feel my mind unravel. I know there are those who are unashamed to dance. And, and I'm so thankful for them and for just being able to see them enjoy that. But for me, it feels like there's just something out of reach about it. It's like something I can, I can see, but I just can't touch. And I don't know what it is that's holding me back. But honestly, knowing that doesn't help. Me knowing it's okay, me knowing it's safe, me, me knowing it's available, actually makes me feel worse. It, it actually makes me feel weaker. 
And I feel like I need to protect myself, and so I go quiet. I kind of, I kind of shrink back. The word I'm describing is vulnerable. I feel vulnerable. I feel exposed, and I feel like I have to protect myself. That's, that's what I'm feeling when, when I hear about this opportunity to dance in front of people. Moments like that, this passage makes all the difference. John 15, 9 to 17, answers the way that I interact with my wife and my family when I'm feeling vulnerable, when I'm feeling exposed, when I'm feeling like I need to run away or retreat. This passage actually helps me to be able to live through that situation in a way that doesn't distance our relationship, but it actually grows our relationship. It actually grows our Christian fruit as, a, as a, a husband and wife, as a family, as an individual. I grow in my Christian fruit by understanding this passage. Because I could, if I just stayed quiet, if I just continued to pull back, if I continued to not engage in something that makes me uncomfortable, I'm going to continue to cycle into that feeling more distant. And then one of two things is probably going to happen. One, I'm going to feel bitterness or resentment toward Christina because I'm just doing something because she told me to do it. Or I know she wants me to do it, so I got to do it. That's one thing that can happen. The other thing that can happen is I, I don't say anything and I start to feel even worse about myself. I start to feel even more weak because I can't just say something simple like I'm afraid to dance in front of others. And I can't tell my wife that. And so distance grows and grows. You, you know, so many of us live like this. It might not be dancing in front of others. It might be something else. It might be joining a new group or it might be coming to a, a new place or it might be having those difficult conversations or even easy conversations. And what we end up doing is we end up protecting ourselves into a little box. We actually end up shrinking our social group to only those who are going to play by our rules. And we do that, and, and those people stay because they, they have to stay. But they know to, to, to not play by my rules, they know that it's going to bring drama. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring resistance. And so the people in my group will just allow that to happen, but my social structure shrinks. When we live like that, we lose. When we live like that, we lose. We lose the opportunity to be able to experience joy of, of loving and, and receiving love. We, we lose the opportunity to experience joy in knowing we're reflecting the character of God that we're going to see right here in John chapter 15. We lose the opportunity to feel the joy of reflecting the character of God. So when we love like Jesus, we experience the joy of doing what we're made to do. When we don't, we don't. 
So this is the big idea, that we can find true joy only when we love like Jesus. This passage is going to tell us how, how we do that. And we're going to find that love is defined by these three attributes, generosity and transparency and pursue. So if you're taking notes, that would be the outline we're going to follow out of, out of John chapter 15. We've already read the text, so uh, we can go ahead and, and move through those slides. But we're going to uh, look back in John chapter 15, and we're going to see that this section is all about love. And so John chapter 15 is where we're going to be. We're going to do a little bit of flipping around, but we're, we're going to stay in the book of John, uh, and then we're going to go over to the book of 1 John. And so John chapter 15 is right in the middle of what we're, what we're seeing as Jesus last night. He, he will, very shortly after this, as we're going to see, be betrayed. But in John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, he is pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his heart to his friends. He's pouring out his heart to God. He's being transparent. And this whole section is steeped in love. So, John, we're going to flip a little bit. John chapter 13, go, go back uh, just a couple of pages. John chapter 13, verse 1 says, When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then you can look down in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 23. John, the one who's writing this book, <clears throat> describes himself as uh, the one whom Jesus loved. And in, in verse 34, Jesus gives us this commandment, uh, a, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John chapter 14 Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself or manifest myself to him. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. And again in verse 28, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. It's all about love. Flipping over very quickly to John chapter 17 as he winds down this, this honest, this vulnerable prayer to the Father. He, sa he says this, I have made known, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. You see, we can only find true joy when we love like Jesus loved, and we'll find love defined in these attributes right here in John chapter 15. We're in a section that is, that is just paved and foundationed in love. So let's look back in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus wants his followers to experience the full joy of God by obeying God. Obedience is the pathway of joy. To our modern ears, that, that sounds a bit off. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word obey. But it is not what we see here in John 13 to John 17. God is good. God loves you. And, and God wants you to do what is best for you. And what is best for you is to be in a relationship with him. What is best for you is to live a life that, that is in the way that he says it ought to be lived. He designed you. He created you. And, and that is where you're going to find your highest joy is in obedience to a loving God. Oswald Chambers says it this way. He says, The joy of Jesus was his absolute self-surrender and self-sacrifice to his Father. The joy of doing that which the Father has sent him to do. Jesus prayed that our joy might continue to fulfill itself until it becomes the same joy as his. That's, that's what he says right here. He says that, uh, these things I've spoken to you that your joy may be full and that your joy or that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And you, you see this link between joy and love and commandments. If you have a Bible and if you're circling or you're, you're highlighting or keeping notes, that idea of, of commandment is, is right there in verses 10 and 11 and 12 and 14. That's, that's hard stuff. It's hard to, to say, I'm going to put down my way and I'm going to follow God's. It's, it's hard. That it, it feels a bit like dancing in front of people. You know that, you, you know that God is good. You, you know that, that He is he is true. You, you know that it's right there. It's very available to you. You see other people maybe around you doing it, and, you've, and you value that in them, but it's out of reach for you. This is that, 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 that feeling you're feeling is vulnerability. It's that feeling of exposure. It's that feeling of what if. What if trusting God doesn't work out the way that I want? What if I don't get the position I think I should have? What if people think of me poorly? What if, what if people misunderstand me? What if people misunderstand what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to say? What if, what if I'm called to suffer? And we feel vulnerable. We feel exposed in that. And we don't, we don't have a full joy. This is such a hopeful text for us, church. This is such a helpful text for us because whenever we understand that God is good and, and that God is loving and that, that God is true and that he is going to do what he says he's going to do and that we can trust him, we have a foundation and it's the only foundation that will empower us to trust enough to do what we ought to do to love the way that we'll be able to love. We, 
We, we won't be able to be vulnerable with other people if we're not vulnerable with God first. We, we won't be able to trust other people if we don't trust God first. We, we won't be able to open up and be transparent with other people if we aren't transparent about our sin and our need of God first. And so it all starts with obedience. And that is the best news in the world because so many of us have been trying so hard to get that full joy in other ways and we can't get there and we don't know why. And so what we can see is that Jesus understands and the way that he loves here in John 15 comes out of that submission, out of that trust, out of that vulnerability, out of that love for God. We see it most clearly in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. You don't have to turn there, but, but this is Jesus as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. He's wrestling with how God has called him to love others. He, he's struggling. He says this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knows how it is to be vulnerable. Jesus knows how it is to be called by God to love others in a way that is outside of us. But yet Jesus gives this command, John chapter 15, verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So how are we to love like Jesus and experience the joy that he described? So this will be the way. We're going to love like Jesus through vulnerability, through generosity, transparency, and pursuit. So look back with me. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So this first attribute of love, if we're going to love like Jesus, it's going to be that we are sacrificially giving to others. You see, love costs. Generosity is a vulnerable thing. Giving something that, that you have to someone else is a vulnerable thing. Whether it's, it's the money that you've accrued, whether it's letting somebody borrow or, or live in your house, whether it's your time or your attention that are such precious commodities in the rat race of the suburbs of Chicago. These aren't small things. These are things that we, that we cling to. But clinging to our stuff is all about us. We, we guard our time. We monitor our money. We, we prioritize our people. But Jesus defines love differently. So I told you that we were going to go to 1 John. If you're using a pew Bible, that's on page 1212 of the pew Bible, 1 John. And I want to see what the Bible defines as love. And, and in three passages, we'll start in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. The same one who wrote the book of John is now writing later in this, this book of 1 John. And this is how he describes love. He says, by this we know love. This is how we identify it, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 
So God defines the process of love. He, he defines what love looks like. We don't, we don't define that. What it looks like is that, that we are giving sacrificially. That's the test of love. I, I think someone has said that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I think that's how the proverb goes. It's not about the amount of money. It's not about, well, I don't, it, it, I don't give as much as somebody else or I only have so little. It, it's not about the amount of giving. We've talked about that, I believe, over the last couple of weeks. But it's about the heart behind it. Are, are we willing to give? Are we willing to, to, to invest? Are we willing to, to take what is valuable to us and, and give to someone else in need? So we see that we know this is love, that we're giving. First John chapter 4, if you want to just uh, go to the other side of the page or, or scroll down, First John 4, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was, this is what it looks like among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. There's a, a process, but there's also a purpose to love. It's that it would, it would give life. It would give life to the one who receives it. That it would be good for them. That it would give grace to them. God defines this purpose. And, and it says right here, because um, in this, the love of God was made manifest, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So Jesus came to us and gave himself to us that we would live. And we only live through him. That's, that's what is being said here in 1 John 4. Jesus is the only one that, that perfectly satisfies the righteous wrath of God against people who misrepresent him, who misrepresent um, Jesus. You can see that in verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us first, uh, loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Some of your translations might say spiritual sacrifice or atoning sacrifice. It means that, that he paid the debt. That's why Jesus came. That's the purpose of him coming was to give life, to, to, to be a blessing. So God in his love and his mercy sent Jesus to be life for you. That's what it says in 1 John 4. As we trust in Jesus, we're made children and friends of God. That changes everything. If you're here this morning and you, and you haven't done that, you, you didn't know that you were separated from God and that Jesus is the way, the bridge, to be able to bring you into relationship with God, then I invite you to consider that. I invite you to trust in Christ as that one who was sent out of love. And then, the product of that, what happens when we believe in Jesus as the one to whom we owe our lives, the, the one who has taken our place, the one who has called us friend and brother, and we know now that we are in that relationship, it changes everything. Love is going to cost you dearly. So how often do you lean into uncomfortable or costly sacrifice? How often do we intentionally, actively seek to be generous with other people? And this is why it's so important because we can use those times 
of generosity to practice transparency. We can, we can actually spend 10 minutes uh, of, of time talking to family today, sitting down with, with someone uh, who is in, in relationship with you. Maybe it's here at church. Maybe it's someone that you just haven't sat down and talked with for some time. Maybe it's someone you see every day, but you haven't been intentional with them. Can I just ask you to be generous and just take 10 minutes and say, I just want to talk to you for 10 minutes. I just want to put our phones down. I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? We, we do that to give life. When someone calls or texts during the middle of your next Netflix or TikTok binge, and you see a message pop up or you get an alert from someone, switch over. Let them know that you are there. Let them know you're listening. Maybe it's talent and someone could use your expertise or your wisdom. Jump in and, and help do that. Maybe it's here at Bethel. Maybe it's in another sphere of influence you have. But do that because you love that other person. That's, that's what Jesus did. He came and he laid down his life. And he commands us to do the same for our joy. It's good for us that we would do that. And finally, spend money on people. Maybe have a budget. Maybe just have a, 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 a coffee budget or a lunch budget. Take someone out. I know a lunch costs $20 today. Just take $20 and say, hey, I'm going to take someone out this week for lunch. I don't know who it's going to be but I'm going to actually take my money and I'm going, to, I'm going to invest in someone else and I'm going to use that time to be transparent. Because the second attribute that we're going to see here is transparency. And we love like Jesus by fearlessly sharing with others. Look back with me, John chapter 15. He says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. Love lets people in. Love lets people in. And I know to allow yourself to be known is hard work. I know to let people know where you're going and, and what you're doing and what you're thinking and what you're looking at, what your hopes and dreams are, I know that's hard work. It comes natural. We, we try so hard to protect ourselves physically, watching our retirement, watching our health, watching uh, traffic around us, watching the neighborhoods we live in, whatever, whatever that is, I hope that you understand that you're not only vulnerable and fighting vulnerability in those little moments when, um, when somebody asks you to do something hard. It, it's in those moments it becomes very clear. Christina asked me to dance in front of people. I, I feel it all of a sudden. But I'm vulnerable all the time. And I'm always protecting myself. And so when it comes to emotional, when it comes to spiritual, when it comes to relational guarding, it just comes very natural. It's good for you to know that. Because it's going to be uncomfortable to be known. But yet that's exactly what Jesus has done all through uh, his time on earth. 
He was sharing where he was going, what he was doing. And he was making enemies, even of his friends and sometimes, because he was speaking that truth. But remember that Jesus' command here, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And, and now he's explaining what that looks like. It's rooted and grounded in love, and, and he promises joy. And it's all based on his example. So how do we do with trust? How do we do with conflict? How do we do with honesty? I've talked with people who are afraid of losing a friendship if they honestly speak about a destructive habit or a growth area in another person's life. They'll say, I just can't bring it up. My question, is that true friendship? Is that love if we can't be vulnerable? Is that love if we can't speak the truth? I've talked to many people. In fact, I'm a professional biblical counselor, so it's kind of my job to talk to people who are struggling, but this is what they're struggling with. I'm struggling with something, but the last place I want to go is my church. And so they come to the biblical counseling center. I talk to people, let's just say often, and what I would say is I know that there are some of those in the room. You're struggling but the last place that you would want to go for help is here. This isn't a rebuke. My brothers and sisters, this isn't a rebuke. I'm not mad about this. But I invite you into transparency. I invite you into sharing what it is that you're struggling with, with people who can walk through it with you and want to walk through it with you, who sit here and worship with you every week. As your pastors, we desire that. As a church, we need it. Sitting with the guys at men's lunch on Friday, I talked through some of the outline and I said, what's the struggle? Why, why do we struggle with vulnerability and transparency so much? And the answer popped out immediately. Well, it's fear. That, that, that's the answer. We, we're afraid to do that. Well, why are we afraid to do that? And we're afraid to do it for a couple of reasons. One is that we are afraid that people are going to leave us and not want to be our friends anymore. You know, grown-ups feel like that too. Um, or we're afraid people are going to ask us to leave and we're going to lose something we want. And so we're not honest. That's devastating to a relationship. This happens in marriage a lot. It happens in friendships a lot. And it's devastating to a church. And it happens in church a lot. And it happens in relational situations a lot. What we need to understand is that that vulnerability, that opportunity is something that we can take and we can actually be better because we've been vulnerable. Because this is the truth. When you don't feel known, you won't feel loved. 
If there are dark corners in your life, if there are things that, that you just don't want to bring up that are just kind of little, little bitter pills or little pits in the stomach, and you let those build up, you're going to have this recurring thought in your mind, if that person knew what I thought about them, they would not like me. If that person knew what I thought about this thing, they would tell someone and I would be in trouble. I'm, I'm in a relationship with someone and I see them kind of give a side eye or a roll of the eyes or, or a glance down when I walk by and in my mind, I tell myself something's up there but I don't want to know what it is. We're not, we're not being vulnerable and yet it is true that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, we don't have to be perfect to be in relationship. We, we just have to be honest of, of our need for Christ. Jesus himself, he, he opened himself up to be wounded, to, uh, to, to, be, uh, to, to be hurt, to experience pain, to be rejected, and even be put to death. And yet he fearlessly shared his desires and his plans. I mean, think about it. Even after pouring his, his heart out in John uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, if you have your Bibles, what are the very first words that start John chapter 18? The betrayal of Jesus. Where, where do they find Jesus in John chapter 18? They found him in the garden. Why? Because John chapter 16, 2 says, Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Jesus fearlessly shared where he was at with Judas, even though he knew that he was going to be hurt. Peter denies Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 17. Jesus fearlessly poured into this man for three years, knowing the weakness in Peter, knowing that he could respond in this way. To live like Jesus is to fearlessly share with others. But Jesus didn't just allow imperfect people into his life. He actually pursued them. He didn't just let people who are imperfect into his life. He, he pursued them. John chapter 15. He says this. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You see, to, to love like Jesus, we need to be intentionally creating relationship with others. And, and it's hard. It's hard to do that because of, of conflict. It's hard to do that because we're afraid of being honest. But Jesus not only allowed these imperfect people into his life, but he pursued relationship with them. So, Jesus is saying a lot here, um, but we're going to keep it to our point. Jesus wanted to be there. Love makes people feel like you want to be there. Love seeks others. 
Love seeks others. So, so we understand that love is going to cost. We, we understand that the love is going to let people in. And now we see that not only is it this passive letting people in and, and being transparent, but love is actually going to seek after other imperfect people to, to share ourselves with, to be able to, to open up to. And all of that is said in love. All of that is said in hope and trust and obedience. And so Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He, he came to set captives free. He came to give abundant life. He came, he pursued you so that you would know and love God and know and love God's people. In the Old Testament, it was said that, that he loved Israel not because they were more numerous than other people, but because he loved them and he swore an oath. And in Ephesians, in the New Testament, it says this way, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. And in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. So when we are met with a conflict or we're met with a situation where we're uncomfortable, we need to remember, why is it that God chose me? God chose me to reveal his character. He, he chose me to, to demonstrate his mercy and his grace. He did it to reflect his character. That's why he chose me. And so as, as we are now being called to, to, to go out and to, to reach others or to, to engage in relationship, why are we going to do that? Why are we going to seek others? It's to reflect his character. And that's where he winds down. He says, I chose you to bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you. Why? It's so good. So that you love which brings you joy. To obey the command of God brings joy through love. He's wrapping it around. If you look back in John 15, you'll see the, the couplet there. So how does this work out in life? How does this work out in real life, what Jesus is saying? Well, do you remember what my fear is? I'm afraid you do. It's to dance in front of people. Well, to finish the story, Friday night approaches. We talk about it. I say, hey, you still wanting to do that thing? Um, and we, we talked a little bit about my uncomfortability. Uh, talked about my thoughts, about Christina's thoughts. And it rained. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It rained. Yes, sir. Okay, seriously, though, uh, it did rain. I was so happy for that. I was so happy. Yeah. So seriously, though, we agreed that we would go check it out. No, no pressure. Um, we, we might jump into the lesson, maybe not. Gave me a chance to talk to my son, Colin, about how me wanting to do the right thing but feeling like it's out of reach, um, how it feels to me, um, and how that was my insecurity and my pride, not wanting to do that. And I think he got it. I, I, I confess to Christina how I want to make her feel pursued. I, I, want, to, I want to do those things. I, I would love to dance with Ellie one day at her wedding. 
Lord willing. And if I, if I am not vulnerable, I'm going to miss out on those joys. And my brothers and sisters, if you're not vulnerable, there will be joys that you miss out on. God's command is not burdensome. It is good. Now, we didn't, we didn't dance that night on a Friday. We made a three-year plan. And I, I promised that I would learn how to dance in front of people in three years. Not three months, not this week. Uh, but we didn't dance in front of people on that Friday night. But you know what did happen? Christina and I got a little closer. I was able to bear a little bit more Christian fruit. I was able to, to, to walk in discipleship of my kids. I was able to love her more like Jesus in being transparent. She was able to, to love me more like Jesus in being generous. In those moments, I felt a maturing joy and love. And that happened because we obeyed God and loved like Jesus. It wasn't because of us. It was because of what Jesus has done for us both. So I want to ask you, what is your dancing in front of others? Maybe it's just facing a daunting future. Maybe it's breaking the chains of addiction. Maybe it's just holding everything together, work and caring for family, health, and, and everything else. Or maybe it's a specific need that, that you need to know that God will show himself faithful in. You can vulnerably open up yourself to God. It's a good thing that we would remind ourselves of, of Jesus, of who he is, what he's done, how he loves us, what he's done for us. And when our eyes are on Jesus, we can live in a way that is more like Jesus. And we can love like Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your word. I pray that I was able to share just a, a bit of my hope and a bit of, of, of my growth from your word with those who are in my presence and, and under the hearing of your word. And Lord, we thank you so much for what you have done. We pray that it would cause us to join closer together, to be more loving of one another. Father, I'm so thankful uh, to be part of this church and part of this body where people are able to express this on a daily and weekly basis. And so we pray that you would bless the remainder of our service. In Jesus' name, amen.